Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. In the NOCO is supported by Blue Federal Credit Union, with locations from Denver to Cheyenne, helping members tap into the power of community. More information at bluefcu.com. From KUNC and the NPR Network, this is In the NOCO, a daily slice of Northern Colorado news and happenings. It's Thursday, February 15th. I'm Erin O'Toole. Forced prison labor is widespread across the U.S., and a recent investigation by the Associated Press details how it's happening. The two-year investigation used data from Colorado State University's Prison Agriculture Lab. Joshua Spica directs the lab. The signal from the prison system is that you don't deserve more than this, that you are simply a labor input to help us save costs and to help us produce profits. And that has a social psychic toll. This is why people refer to what goes on in prison as prison slavery. Speaker and his colleague Carrie Chenault sat down with Innocos Robin Vincent to discuss prison labor in Colorado and beyond. So the Prison Agriculture Lab published a data map showing prisons with agriculture programs. When I looked at that map, I saw that this work is happening in every state, including Colorado. What does prison labor look like here? For the majority of people that are required to work within Colorado, the work that they do is to maintain the prison system itself. And what I mean by that are jobs that socially reproduce the prison. So kitchen work, laundry work, ground maintenance, landscaping, really basic day-to-day tasks that the state doesn't want to pay somebody else to do. And so what they do is they use the free supply of labor that's available to them. A very small percentage of individuals have the luxury, which I use cautiously, to work for Colorado Correctional Industries. And those that work in these kinds of jobs tend to have slightly better pay and tend to gain some skills that are maybe a little more refined compared to the majority of their peers who are pushing mops and stuffing dryers full of clothes. Now, Colorado actually changed its constitution six years ago to prohibit forced labor, including in prisons, right? But it appears prison labor is still happening in our state. Why is that? So I think that there are a lot of reasons. I'll say first of all, we don't have a lot of information exactly about what is going on in terms of the changes in labor in Colorado in response to Amendment A. We do know labor is still happening. There was a lawsuit against Governor Polis in the state of Colorado for continuing to require labor in prisons. So the state insists, though, that you know people can voluntarily still engage in jobs and labor. As to what's going on inside prisons, we don't exactly know in Colorado. A Colorado Correctional Industries has said that they are in the midst of a drastic reorganization, but they haven't put a lot of information out there. You'll notice even their most recent annual report is basically slimmed down just to a set of financial statements and less about the core operations itself. 
we do still know that things like hay production are still going on at places like Four Mile Correctional Facility. We know that last year, they, or maybe it was 2022, that they actually began a coffee roasting program at Denver Women's Correctional Facility. So we know that these programs are still happening. We just don't have a sense of the scale to which they're happening and how these changes are impacting the day-to-day -day lives. The one thing that I would add is that even if we were to sort of look past the fact that prisoners are, are paid on average only 86 cents per hour in Colorado and and say, well, at least they're paid something. So maybe it's not prison slavery in, in the full sense of the word. Even if we were to sort of look past that for a moment, we can just take the state's word at face value to understand why the prison system is going to continue to work people regardless of whether or not these exemption clause gets struck from state laws. So in, in a 2022 motion by the state of Colorado to dismiss a lawsuit by two prisoners, uh, Richard Lilligaros and Harold Mortis, who claim Colorado is violating its new law prohibiting slavery and involuntary servitude in all circumstances, the state actually claims that prison work programs were never justified by the exception clause and that prison sanctions for not working is not punishment. And so from the perspective of the state, this Amendment A really doesn't matter to them. And they're going to keep working people anyway under different auspices. The last thing I'll note on this is when the state says uh, they're not punishing people, what they do say is that prisoners may still lose privileges, uh, including television and electronics, recreation time, visitations. And from my perspective, in a particularly cruel act, given substandard prison food, access to canteen purchases and snacks. And so there is still a response by the prison system to incarcerated folks who choose not to work, that there are still consequences. This issue is a window into the rights that people lose when they're incarcerated. I wonder if we could stay on that point for a minute. So something that we emphasize when we talk about prison agriculture and, and labor and, and even these day-to-day -day activities and work like landscaping and groundskeeping is thinking about who is locked up in this country. We emphasize this a lot. 38% of people who are incarcerated in the United States are Black, yet they make up 12% of the population. And so you have to really start any analysis of what's going on from that point. So understanding the rights that are being taken away, the ability to not only have freedom in the moment, but even in the aftermath of incarceration, thinking about the life path, the, the options and opportunities that you have after being incarcerated to live a full life, a productive life, to even have your basic needs met. Mm. So we know it's hard to trace just how many companies are using prison labor in some way. And the recent investigation by the Associated Press really highlighted that. How do you suggest people who are angry about this get involved beyond, say, not supporting certain companies? Unfortunately, the long history of prison labor is that products have made their way into consumer plates and to consumer households forever. And you know, without a much more fundamental shift in the prison system, 
Uh, it's it's very unlikely that those kinds of goods are going to go away. Now, that being said, there are other things that people can do to get involved if they care just more fundamentally about the human rights of incarcerated people. So for example, if you're interested in the exploitation of prisoners and want to see that eliminated, I, I really encourage folks to look up End Slavery Colorado and find a way to get involved in this statewide coalition, which I think five years after amendment, amendment A, it's clear that much more work is to be done. And also, you know, if listeners are interested in preventing more people from being incarcerated to begin with, um, I would encourage folks to support the work of the Colorado Freedom Fund, which pays cash bail to keep people free before their trial, which for a lot of low-income folks uh, is, is one of the main reasons they get wrapped up in the prison system to begin with. That was Joshua Spica and Carrie Chenault of the Prison Agriculture Lab at Colorado State University speaking with In the NoCo's executive producer, Robin Vincent. We'll be back tomorrow with more of what's happening in Northern Colorado. I'm Erin O'Toole. We'll see you next time.